selling packs. I think I need a bird or two. What's going on everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for the final bird's eye view of 2021. A special end of the year episode. Gonna go through my teams, the Giants, Knicks, Yankees, Ohio State football, Ohio State hoops. Recap what the years were like for those teams. Go a little bit through uh, some of the major sports leagues. I'm not going to talk on that and what happened in the NFL in 2021 with the regular season ending in two weeks. I figured I'd do... More of my big NFL storylines, what happened that was major in the NFL uh, during in my post in my post in my NFL season recap show, which will happen the day out the couple days after the season ends. Uh, but yeah, man, like 2021, what a year it's been. You know, New Year's Day started off incredible with Ohio State beating Clemson. I'm gonna get into that later. Uh, but other than that, like. You know, seemed like things were getting back to normal in the year. I was going back out, having fun, doing my best to live my normal life. You know, went away on a couple trips, went to Nashville, went to South Carolina, went to Columbus a couple times for to see my school friends. And overall, you know, 2020 was a fun year. We got we got four Marvel movies. I'm gonna, you know, uh, and it was nice. COVID has you know recently obviously struck again with this Omicron, although. This Omicron is literally nothing more than just a simple cold, if we're being honest. Like, I mean, it's it's not deadly. No one is truly getting sick from it. And being double-vaxxed and boosted, like, I'm not too packed about Omicron. Uh, and yeah, you know, 2021, a lot happened. Long year. Definitely a long year. The, full, the first full year of the pandemic, you know, 2020, we still had at least two and a half mon- months of freedom. Uh, but yeah, that was really it when it came to sports. For the most part, 2021 was like how most recent years have been for my teams. Pretty miserable. And we'll start off with the team that's made me the most miserable, the New York Football Giants. Uh, so you know, it started off with hope. You know, last season we were 6-10, and ten, and that was the really, really, really bad roster. So we spent money in the offseason. We got Daniel Jones, a legitimate number one receiver, and Kenny Galladay, you know, a deep threat, a guy who's going to make those tough contested catches. And we know that you know Daniel Jones has that arm, but we just didn't have that big body deep threat. We signed a Dory Jackson, and we thought, okay, you know, Bradbury had a breakout year last year. You signed a Dory Jackson opposite of him. That gives us a strong tandem at the cornerback spot. You know, maybe Xavier McKinney can develop along, and he really has developed into a really, really good player. Uh... You know, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan both had big years last year. Uh, So there was pretty high expectations for this team. You know, some people came into the year divisional expectations. Personally, I wasn't like, you know, sold on the team winning the division. You know, I thought we'd be better than last year. I thought we'd improve to 7-8. If we were lucky, maybe nine wins in the wild card. But even I felt like that was a stretch. Uh, You know, I wasn't sold too much. But I didn't expect a disaster because, you know, obviously, you know, Joe Judge had the surprising year last year. Still wasn't sold on him because, obviously, most of that came in that four-game winning streak. You take out that four-game winning streak, this was a 2-10 and football team. Uh, you know, you still want to see more than just one year out of a coach. Like, oh, coach won six games in his first year. Yeah, that's good, you know, considering what the Giants have been. But it doesn't mean he was a good coach. You know, I liked him. And then you had the players retiring in the offseason. So my doubts grew on Joe Judge a little bit more. 
And plus, you would get O'Cloud, who was still the general manager and is just the worst general manager in football. You know, I thought we were maybe a year away from establishing ourselves as a playoff team, uh, but maybe there'd be some growth. I mean, oh boy, was I wrong. Was I completely wrong. And like, and like, I was really high on this defense coming of the year. Now, you guys all know, it's no secret, I was not sold on Daniel Jones. This has been, for the most part, a pretty anti-Daniel Jones podcast. Not a believer in him. And like, hell, like, I became more believer in him this year, and it's not like he was very good. He had a great game against the Saints. He had a great game against Washington that made me a believer. And then he had the game against Carolina, the game against the Raiders where we won. But, you know, he did just enough. He made the catch against Carolina. So, like, uh, you know, he wasn't more of a believer, but just, like, I don't know. I knew the old line was still going to suck coming into the year. And, uh, I mean, the team was just a dumpster fire. Like, way more of a disaster than I expected. I mean, the offense is just, just putrid. Just putrid to watch. I really thought the offense would be better. I thought, okay, Daniel Jones only threw 11 touchdowns last year. No way he throws that little. He throws, like, I think he's thrown that many. And, like, it's just the offense, it, it's painful. It's literally painful watching the offense play football. You want to gouge your eyes out. It's just, like, not even fun. Just a bad brand, boring football. And, it, like, it's... It's hard to stay locked in and invested in a game without going on your phone, without, uh, you know, eventually switching it to red zone, because watching the Giants is just, it's just toxic, man. I mean, there's really nothing to it. I, like, ugh. I, I get bored. I get so bored, and then it just, you know, I tune in every game. Oh, yeah, Daniel Jones has regressed the 10 touchdowns this year. Granted, less games. Still, still, he is. 10 touchdowns in 11 games this year. Still not great. Well, he had 11 and 14 last year. So, not much improvement from Daniel Jones, although cutting back on the turnovers. Uh, yay. I mean, the team's just flat out unwatchable right now. It, like, I, I say it's unwatchable. I'm still going to tune in this Sunday to watch us get our ass kicked by the Bears, even though, yeah. Like, yeah, the Bears even that game doesn't really matter because we have their pick, and if more we lose, better our draft pick gets. Because at this point... I'm on the tank for Hutchinson. I'm, uh, you know, what, let me not get into that. Let me get into my 2022 when I get into my 2022 resolutions for this team. Uh, I mean, like this is worse than 2017. 2016, we won 11 games, so we came into 17 the year off 11 games. We're a disaster. But this is now year five in a row of being in this rut of football, and I don't know when it's gonna stop. And it starts at the top with John Mara. I mean, first, all he does, he hires his friends. Chris Mara, who's the v, the VP of football operations. I mean, Chris Mara is an idiot. And you have Dave Gettleman, who was, a, who was previously in the Giants organization years ago. That's why we hired Dave Gettleman, because he had a spot in the Giants organization. And what does this guy do? This guy, you know, people say, oh, yeah, he built a championship in Carolina. No, he had the first overall pick. Only, in, only the worst GM in the world who wouldn't draft Cam Newton first overall who turned that franchise around. It wasn't Gettleman. No, claims he's going to build the offensive line. Doesn't. I mean, it's just a disaster. And, like, I don't trust John Mayer to get a fix. No, Mayer's probably going to hire more of his friends because that's, you know, he it's the giant way. Well, guess what? The giant way doesn't work, and it hasn't worked. The Giants are still living in an old brand of football, and it's frustrating. Like, I, I just don't get it, you know. I, I want to compare John Mayer, actually, to, like, my rabbi. Or the rabbi of the temple I used to belong to. So, we belong to this temple, and a lot of people started leaving the temple. 
mostly because the rabbi was letting go of good teachers, good people, and hiring friends, hiring family. That's exactly what the John Mara is doing, you know. And now we're doing this. We're doing this and letting Dave Gettman walk off into the sunset. Now, Jerry Reese was far from perfect, but Jerry Reese was still the GM of two Super Bowls, did a lot for the organization. Instead, he got fired midseason because he held, he was part of a decision to bench Eli Manning. Something Mara was part of, but Mara just didn't like the backlash, so he did it to save his own ass. That's all John Mara did. And just like... You can start looking for a new gym right now, but instead we're going to let Gettleman walk out of the sunset. Why not look for a new GM now? You start looking for a new general manager, maybe you hire him before the season ends, and this general manager can have a say. And you let this general manager choose who the next coach is going to be. You let this general manager choose what he's going to do with the quarterback. You know, I understand maybe if you find a general manager at the end of the season, you know, by the time you bring him in, some of the top head coaching candidates are gone. But in this case, you're already telling a general manager Joe Judge is his head coach. You're telling him Daniel Jones is going to be his quarterback. What general manager is going to want to come from the outside when two of those decisions are already made for him? And, you know, it's probably going to be Kevin Abrams because the Giants can't go outside the organization because they think they actually are a good franchise. They're not. John Mayer is an idiot. He's still he's ruining this team. We're going to hire Kevin Abrams, and it's going to be more of the same crap from the Giants that it's been the last five, honestly, like pretty much the last ten years. Just more pathetic football. It just It's shameful. Like I, I want Ed Dodds. The guy from Indianapolis, you know, uh, assistant GM had a plow of player development. You know, one of my, one of the guys, I forget his name, one of the guys in Kansas City. You know, somewhere from Kansas City, somewhere from Buffalo, somewhere from Cleveland, somewhere where these teams actually show development, somewhere where these teams actually you know, use analytics instead of the Giants who don't embrace analytics, who use these tough nose. Oh yeah, I'm Tom Coughlin. You know, you show up five minutes early to a meeting, you're getting fined. Oh, you're uh, and just like all this. I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Like, again, you, you don't want to, I get not firing Joe Judge after two consecutive, you don't want to fire a third coach after two consecutive years. But you can't have him tell another general manager, this is your coach, this is your quarterback. I'm hoping that at least with Daniel Jones, we bring in competition. You know, I don't love the quarterbacks in this draft, although if we actually decide to do the smart thing, bring in an outside general manager, you let him decide. You let that outside general manager decide, okay. I want to move forward. I want to take this guy in the draft. We have two first-round picks for a reason. Don't keep it in-house where it's going to be some more of the same crap that we have. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, again, like sometimes you say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep the coach, fire the GM. You're searching for a GM and a coach in the same offseason. The only issue with that is sometimes you bring the GM in first. There's a lot of coaching candidates who are not out there. But now you can fire Gettleman today. You can fire Gettleman in the middle of me recording this and start the general manager search. And you can bring in an outsider and you can do something right. But you're an idiot, John Mara, and you won't. It's just pathetic. It's sad. This was once a proud franchise, but you're ruining it. You've run this franchise into the ground. And for all the ends, for all my criticisms of Judge, for all my criticisms of Gettleman, it all starts at the top with John freaking Mara running this team into the ground. Yeah, I have some New Year's resolutions now for 2022, looking ahead of the Giants. Uh, first off, resolution. Either sell the team, John Mara, or do the right thing. Bring in an outside general manager. Please know Kevin Abrams. Know someone who's going to have that same group thing that the Giants front office has had for years. You need an outsider who's actually going to challenge people, not the collective group think that we already have. Please. 
I'm begging you, Giants. Uh, also, fix the offensive line. We have two first-round picks. Now, unless we bring an outside general manager and he says he wants to draft a quarterback and believes he has his guy in this draft, take or we get a top-two pick and we can get Aiden Hutchinson or Kevion Thibodeau, take two offensive linemen, take Evan Neal, take Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, I think Tyler Linderbaum is going to be an absolute stud. I don't care if it's a top-five pick. You can take a center who doesn't... He's going to be that good. Look how bad the offensive line has been get, get for years, years and years. It hasn't been good since, like, in, in, we have not had a good O-line in, since in, I don't even know when. I, even when we won the Super Bowl in 2011, the offensive line was not particularly great. Uh, so, yeah, take – I mean, I would love Evan Neal and Tyler Linderbaum. Hell, people, you don't think the center's going to go that high? Trade back, get more draft capital, take Tyler Linderbaum later on, just – if we don't get it's it's either Hutchinson, Thibodeau, if we somehow can get one of those guys, or you get one of or you get both linemen, unless the new general manager who's not it's going to be Kevin Abrams. Like I don't even know why I'm doing hypotheticals. And best moment of 2021 from the Giants. Poof. Not many. I tell you, there really was not many. Uh, I guess there was beating. Dallas, you know, that you could say there's beating Dallas week 17 or week 17 last year gives us hope for the division. But it has to beat in the Saints, actually beating a good team in New Orleans. Daniel Jones played great, had the best game of his career. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd say that was probably uh, probably the uh, highlight of the Giants season a week four win against the Saints that no one's ever going to remember. A game that nearly put me in a cardiac arrest. Because it was going on at the same time as that as the Yankees, as the Yankees game against the Rays, the season finale. And speaking of those Yankees, let's transition to them. And even though they were a playoff team, they were another team that frustrated the hell out of me in 2021. I mean, easily of all the playoff teams in the MLB, easily baseball's most inconsistent team. They'd have str- I mean they had the 13 game winning streak, the highs. Then you had, you know, going as far as being like 500 in July and really struggling, really not developing momentum. Uh, you know, we entered the season. They were the clear American League favorites. You know, the Rays, they were trading away more guys. The Red Sox were a horrible team in 2020. You know, maybe the Jays and the White Sox, they had talent, but they still feel like they were young and maybe a year away. The Astros, the offense was there, but Verlander was out for the year. They didn't have Cole. They didn't have the pitching. And instead, you know, we come like I said, we come down against the Rays that last game of the season just to clinch, just to clinch a playoff berth, not to clinch the division, just to clinch a playoff berth. While the Rays, whose payroll is like a third of ours, who traded away more guys in the offseason, uh, ended up just winning the division, cruising to the number one seed in the American League, uh, had nothing to play for when we played them in that final series, and yet nearly swept us in the Bronx and kept us out of the postseason. Sweated that out just to lose in a one-game wild card to the Boston Red Sox. Like, all year. All year. I mean, if you guys listen to, the, you know, especially these Yankee podcasts, they got very, very, very passionate, much like the Giants do. Uh, but, like, the offense was frustrating all year outside of Judge and Stanton. And even then, like, you know, the two of them didn't really get a hot hot until July, and that's when they just carry this offense through the rest of the season. Uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu, he regressed after two great years in New York, probably regressed more back to the mean. You saw Glaber, who was just atrocious this season. 
uh, really just really just awful uh, defensively. You know, struggling offensively. Okay, he had his struggles last year. That was a 60-game season, but now this is a 60-plus. Eventually, to get moved to second base late in the season, you can't be doing that if you're a championship team, turning the guy who you thought was your shortstop into a second baseman in, in the final month. Uh, Gary Sanchez, he was he got a hot start. Then once he got COVID, he really struggled. Gio Urshela regressed. He also got injured. Luke Voigt, after a fantastic year last year, leading the team in home runs, was out of the lineup pretty much all year long with injuries, eventually losing his spot when we made, made a trade for Anthony Rizzo. You know, Rizzo was great. You know, walked a lot, got on base a lot. But both him and Gallo, they definitely had their hot and cold streaks. We definitely could have used, you know, Gallo and a couple more, come with a few more big hits, although definitely did have some. So I'm not going to happen. But all in all, like, Lots, a lot needs to happen in the off season. Uh, obviously, you know, post lockout, we're in this lockout now. You know, the Yankees didn't make any moves pre pre lockout, and a lot of people were like flipping out about that, saying, "What the hell are they doing?" You know, I'm still not freaking out about it. There's still plenty of guys available. Yeah, I know the Mets got Scherzer, the Mets got a bunch of guys, though Starling Marte, Marcana. These all, all the guys who got signed were pretty much guys the Yankees were never really gonna get. Uh, Corey Seager, yeah, maybe they were after him, but I didn't want to give Corey Seager 10 years, $300 million. So, uh, overall, like, people who are freaking about the Yankees' moves, like, lack of moves before the lockout, the moves are coming. They're going to make moves after the lockout for sure and be the New York Yankees and actually spend the money that they haven't been spending. Look, the Red Sox have money to spend. The Dodgers are probably going to spend more money. Neither team really used that money up until the lo- before the lockout, so trust me. Like, I'm not too angry about the Yankees' lack of moves. I'm hoping that once this lockout ends, we go out and, you know, get me Carlos Correa. I don't care who... I, I want Carlos Correa, I'll be honest. And, like, Yankee fans, if you don't want Carlos Correa on your team, you're just an idiot. You're, he cheated, he cheated, he cheated. Dude, this was four and a half years ago. Get the hell over it. Oh, but he talked about Derek Jeter. And, like, look, I love Derek Jeter. But if you really don't want Carlos Correa because he taught, because he said Derek Jeter wasn't a good defensive shortstop, which is a thousand percent true, then that just being soft. Carlos Correa is a fantastic defensive shortstop. He's gonna, you know, the Yankees. Their, one of their biggest flaws last year was errors, errors, errors. You signed Carlos Correa. They won a platinum glove last year, which is actually a legit award on like a gold glove. Uh, you know, that's going to really help fix this defense. And, you know, he's been a guy who's come up clutch in the postseason. I don't understand. Like, like if, just because of a cheating thing, you wouldn't want him. Yeah, whatever. He was a scumbag. But guess what? The, you know, people didn't have to like A-Rod if, when he came with the team. He was still great. I want a player who's going to make my team better, a player who can maybe make my team in a championship team. So, yeah, I want Carlos Correa in the offseason. Any Yankee fan that doesn't is just a fool. Uh... Also, hoping Matt Olson. I know there's rumors about him. Uh, I'd love him. You know, people want Rizzo back. But I think Olson, younger, better player, for now is going to be cheaper just because he hasn't had that big contract yet. While Rizzo is going to have to sign a multi-year extension as opposed to an arbitration deal. Uh, Olson, fantastic defender, probably just as good of a defender as Anthony Rizzo, if not better. Is going to mash home runs. I mean, a lineup of. Olsen, Correa, Judge, Stanton, Gallo, super dangerous. You know, DJ, Gary, Glaber, try to figure out and be those guys we know you can be. Uh, just overall, like, be aggressive. We've seen the Mets be super aggressive already. Uh, again, I'm not freaking out. I'm not mad at this team's lack of aggression. 
uh, pre-lockout. But post-lockout, be aggressive. Get Correa. Get Olsen. Try to get somebody... Uh, try to get somebody uh, just to make... And an impact pitcher as well. Uh, so best moment of 2021 has to be for the Yankees. That Yankees-Astros game, obviously not the one where they blew the 7-2 lead. But in the first game, uh, back at Yankee Stadium where we played Houston, hosting them, I was there. And finally, after two years, we got to let all of our rage out towards the Astros. It was a true sports are really back moment. You know, even though it was a half-pack stadium, I feel like it was full. The fuck out to the chance, uh, the you're a cheater, and just like chanting all that, you know, screed, you know, Stan hit a three-run bomb. Actually beating up on the Astros, it felt, it felt nice. And look, like, yeah, I was cursing Correa at that game, and I don't like Correa as a person. Doesn't matter. He makes my team better. I don't see why you wouldn't want anybody who makes your team better. Like, I, I, I like, I like my team being a championship team. If it's make it the best possible team it could be. Uh, moving on now. We are going to talk about 2021 and the team that actually pissed me off the least. Now, this has been a team that has pissed me off the most of any of my teams the last few years. But the New York Knicks, what a season it was. It was so magical in 2021. And like, look, last year the season started at the end of December. So pretty much 2021 was like all season last year for the Knicks. Uh, you know, we were spending another tank job. Like, you know, I wanted Cade Cunningham. Get me Evan Mobley. Get me one of those guys. But, oh, boy, was I wrong. Tom Thibodeau came in, instilled a new culture, won the coach of the year, had these New York Knicks fighting hard night in and night out till they earned that 4C. They earned home court advantage in the first round. And for the first time, for the first time in 10 years, the New York Knicks actually gave us hope. Randall, you know, I didn't love the signing when we made it. He became an all-star and, you know, very valuable player. Got, like, some, like, 8th place, ninth place MVP votes. Um, you know, all-NBA team. Derrick Rose, he was a 6th man of the year finalist. You know, shades of 2011, especially coming out at the end of the year. And in the playoffs, uh, you know, the first round exit, like, that sucked. Uh, it definitely sucked losing the first round. And, yeah, losing the first round, that was about it for the lows of the Knicks last season. Uh, it was really was just, other than that, a special year. Being at Game 2 as my birthday gifts, being there for the team to win a playoff game for the first time in nine years, it was an awesome atmosphere to be at. The garden was rocking. The Knicks actually felt like they had hope for the first time in years. And it was truly something awesome. Obviously, I sucked losing the rest of the series against the Hawks. But hey, like it was a special year. It was one of my most, the most fun I've ever had watching a team across any season just because... That Knicks team was such an underdog last season. Uh, obviously, this season, things haven't been great so far. Uh, you know, the season's obviously you know, not ready to toss in the towel. They're taking advantage. They haven't, they've had an easy stretch. They've had an easy stretch to close out 2021 against the Pistons. They have the Thunder coming up, the Timberwolves, the, the uh, Rockets. They had the Hawks, who have been ravaged by COVID. So building on wins and a great chance to be back at 500 entering 2022. And that's all I can ask for. I, mean, I was starting to get really worried about the Knicks, but then they had this easy stretch where they really took advantage of it. Without this easy stretch, honestly, like they, you know, they're, they're, they could, they could enter five hundred. They could enter twenty twenty two, like three four games under five hundred. Beat the Thunder on New Year's Eve. You enter twenty twenty two at five hundred. Uh, 
And then that, that, that game, too, that was the best moment of 2021 for the Knicks for me. Uh, probably It was probably my favorite sporting moment of the year because that was just awesome being at it, being in the garden, chanting, go New York, go New York, go. Coming back here, doing that post-game podcast. It was awesome, man. It was really awesome. Uh, you know, obviously, 2022 resolutions for this team. Make it work. You know, we replaced Alfred Payton with Kemba. We replaced Reggie Bullock with Fournier. It seems like they were upgrades. But, you know, for his, all the issues with Alfred Payton, he still was a pretty good defender. We know Reggie Bullock was a great defender. Now, Kemba got benched. He looks like he's getting better now. How Obviously, that 44-point game had the triple-double, although... Triple doubles are really an overrated stat nowadays on Christmas. Uh, and then that, so that, that, that was very nice. Kemba looks like he's back in the rotation. Alec Burks had a huge game last night. He's been Mr. Fourth Quarter. So just, just be the Knicks we saw last year. Be that gritty defensive team. I know Evan Fournier is not a good defender, and I hated that signing. I don't like Evan Fournier. But everyone else, you know, Burks is still there uh, quickly. Uh, Noel, Randall, the guys who were there who played great defense last year, continue to do that. Try to make up for the lapses that you might have with Kemba and that you might have with that bald asshole Evan Fournier. Get back to the 2021 recipe. Less self, you know, selfless basketball. Make the extra pass. Gritty defense. Like I'll be honest, I'm worried about this team's playoff chances and even being in the top 10 in the playing game. But I'm not going to throw in the towel just yet on the Knicks. Uh. Okay, so I actually wanted to say uh, one quick thing. I forgot to say with the New Year's with the, with the Yankees, uh, the New Year's resolution was to spend more and just be the Yankees. That, I forgot to actually include that it was their New Year's resolution when I said that. But uh, you know, I, I was also talking about with the Knicks. You know, the best moment of 2021 was probably uh, the game I went to, Game Two. The only thing that comes close and that might push and might push it is uh, the Orange Bowl last year when Ohio State dominated Clemson, New Year's Day, I mean, 2021, what a perfect start, all my friends chirping, oh yeah, oh yeah, Ohio State has no chance, Ohio State has no chance, is Clemson going to win by a little, is Clemson going to win by a lot, this, that, well guess what, Ohio State came out, we knocked off that long-haired little Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers, and we went to the college football championship game. It was incredible. You field looking downfield has a man. It's a lave touchdown, Ohio State. One of my favorite calls from uh, Pollock uh, in college football in recent years. You were the Jamison Williams before you transferred and went to Alabama. He had the big touchdown in the game, and it was perfect. Uh, obviously, sucked in the championship game seeing this team get crushed by Alabama. Uh, multiple guys, including Justin Fields, left for the NFL draft. But as always, we replaced this talent. Expectations were sky high in 2021. And we're the nation's best wide receiver core. You know, Olave and Garrett Wilson were both coming back, who are already top 10 wide receivers in the country. You had Jackson Smith and Jibbo, who really established himself as a top 10 wide receiver in the country. Our two starting tackles, and Thayer Munford and uh, Nicholas petit Friere were both coming back. And the defense was thought to be deep. However, three weeks, you know, two ugly wins and a really bad loss against Oregon. You know, people were wondering if, like, the Ohio State season was done really early. Obviously, the year got better as it went along. We played really well the next few weeks. Rolling. Defense would, uh, defense was playing really, really well. You know, limiting teams. Although, you know, some of it was Ben not break much like the Giants do. Uh, CJ Shroud, though, you know, and... 
This was credit to C.J. Stroud. Lots of Buckeye fans were calling for him to get benched after the Oregon game, after the Tulsa game. Uh, but after that, like he really emerged as an elite quarterback down the stretch. And you know, had he been in Michigan, probably would have won the Heisman. Uh, still had some amazing games. He, obviously, with him, he had the offense. He had the three wide receivers. And we really interested to see how Stroud does next year without any, without uh, Olave, without Garrett Wilson. Although Ohio State has plenty of talent in that wide receiver room. Uh, obviously, his great performance, his breakup performance, led to the transfer of Quinn Ewers, which. I'll be honest, I'm disappointed about because I think, you know, I, I like Stroud a lot. I love Stroud. He was so damn good this past season. But I think Quinn Ewers is just going to be a next-level type player. Uh, I just wish he never committed early and this was going to be his freshman year and he could have sat this year and then played the following season. But it is what it is. Like, I love you, C.J. Stroud. Ohio State 2021 was still a little disappointing. Uh, and, yeah, like, it feels weird to say that, like, this team went 10-2, and two. they're in the Rose Bowl, and you think, oh, Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, that's awesome. But this is Ohio State. Anything but the college football playoff nowadays is really disappointing, You know, especially after the Oregon loss when we started rolling. Here this team was, we were 10-1, and one, going to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, who was number five. And even though they were, even though like, they were number five and they looked great all year, we were still coming to that game that we were thinking we were much better than them, disrespecting Michigan. You know, thinking, oh, a lot of people are saying, oh, we're only seven-point favorites, talking all this shit all week, and then we just end up getting, you know, rolled over, losing that game, and now we're out of the college football playoff. And losing that game sucked, losing that great Michigan team sucked, but it all goes back. You know, Oregon ends up not being the Oregon who we thought they were. You know, they should not, and they should never have lost that game to Oregon. If they win that game, even with the loss of Michigan, they're probably in the college football playoff. Let me say, look, the Rose Bowl, I'm excited for it. But if we're not in the college football playoff, it's still a disappointing year in Ohio State. It's just a, it's just a matter of fact. Like, there, there's no denying it. That's how it is. That's how we operate in the Buckeye Nation. Uh, and just, like, overall, 2021 was just just weird because the offense was historic. It was the best, probably the best offense in Ohio State history, if we're being honest, with how good Stroud was, those three wide receivers, the development of Travion Henderson, who was one of the best running backs in the country as a true freshman, and will no doubt be one of the focal points of this offense the next two seasons, with a really, really, really strong chance to win the Heisman. Uh, the defense was a mess. It came together after the brutal first three games, uh, but, you know, the issues that, you know, the issues... That got exposed against Alabama, they got exposed against Oregon, it got exposed against Michigan. And all three of our last big losses, they've had, you know, they've gotten exposed. Uh, so 2022, so I guess now we're really going to go on. It's the 2022 resolution. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jibble is now the number one wide receiver. Uh, we now have multiple freshmen who are going to come in and just, you know, probably play either guys who are highly recruited and didn't play much their freshman years, or freshmen who played really well and were highly rated, such as Denzel Burke, going to step into larger roles. Uh, simple. Let the young guys take over. You know, more young guys in the linebacking core, and let's let's win a championship in 2022. It's simple as that. Get, get back to the college football playoff. We'll start with that, actually. Uh, moving on to Ohio State hoops. Uh, so I guess the best moment of 2021, easily beating Duke, that was obviously this year. And I will say, I got really big into Ohio State hoops last season, obviously with some of the pandemic and me being at home, you know, not going out, drinking as much, 
I still went out plenty and drank a lot last year, for being honest. Uh, but I guess not, maybe not going out on weekdays as much. Uh, you know, maybe not gaming as much, watching as many Netflix shows, or also having two TVs in my room. Really pretty much watched, like, every, almost every Ohio State basketball game I could. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, got really invested in the team. The team always got as high as number four in the country before going through a mini slump. Uh, eventually rebounded. We were the number two, a, a number two seed. Losing to Oral Roberts, that sucked. Uh... You know, but overall, like, it was the most fun I've had watching this basketball team in years. You know, it sucked that we lost away in Washington. But E.J. Ledeau is a star, but one of my favorite players to watch on this team. I love Michi Johnson as well. He's an absolute stud. I think, you know, he's, he's had big shots this year. So, uh, it, it's really hard to say with Ohio State basketball because I feel like I haven't seen them in years. And I've talked enough about Ohio State basketball uh, over the course of the year. But, uh, honestly, my resolution for them is go to the Final Four, man. Let's go to the final four. Uh, so yeah, that's really it for covering my teams. Before I wrap this up, I just really want to go through some other highlights from 2021. So first off, I got a new job. Obviously, you know, I started my old job at the end of 2020. And I'll be honest, I was pretty fucking miserable. I hated it. It was literally copy and paste. It was mind-numbing. It felt like... I feel like I was a computer being plugged in and being told, oh, do this, process this, copy and paste this. You know, I wasn't the biggest fan of my boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they hear this, who cares? They don't even, they probably don't even know I have a podcast. Uh, yeah, just, you know, overall, didn't really like my job. Uh, you know, it was simple, basic stuff. I felt like I went to the Ohio State University Fisher College of Business to do this. But then I ended up, you know, so I started looking for new jobs, uh, Eventually stumbled across a position uh, that, that seemed really good at that agency. And now that's where I'm working and I'm loving it. The company's great. My team is great. The work is really interesting. And I'm writing good ads. And I just, so that, that was definitely one of the highlights of 2021. Uh, another thing that made 2021 so great was Marvel content. Uh, obviously with 2020, we didn't get much, we didn't get any Marvel actually. Yeah, because of COVID and stuff. We were, so we got a ton we got, we got four movies. We got Black Widow, which was just okay. We got Shang Chi, which I loved. Uh, we got the, which I, I mean, I really liked Shang Chi. Really surprised me. We got the Eternals, which, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst movies in Marvel. Uh, and we got Spider Man No Way Home. And I just have to say, Spider Man No Way Home was the best Marvel movie, the best Spider Man movie. It was so damn good, like. I, I loved it. Everything about it was perfect. From like, well, not everything. Like there were still some plot issue holes, but overall, like the acting in it was great. Uh, the villains in it were great. Uh, Tom Holland just does a hell of a job. I, I really just love that movie. It plays on your nostalgia, and I'm a nostalgic person. Like I love nostalgia stuff, so that's why Spider-Man: No Way Home really appealed to me. They did a really good job telling his story. The ending of it left him in such an interesting place for the future of Peter Parker, uh, for the future of Spider-Man. And I'm just really, really excited to see what happens with Spider-Man 4. It was such a great movie. I mean, it was literally, I mean, the theater experience too. The experience of seeing that movie in theaters was like being at a sporting event. You know, the clapping, how excited people were getting with the cameos. It truly was a special movie, man. It really was. All right. I was recording that last part, uh, so my Instagram, my friend Steve has yet to watch it, 
So because Steve has yet to watch it, I didn't want to say the spoilers in that video. Uh, but now we're going, spoiler alert, stop here if you have not seen No Way Home. I mean, if you haven't seen No Way Home by now, what are you doing? It's been out for two weeks. Uh, there's been no spoil. I mean, there's been, like, spoilers everywhere. Like, obviously, like, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were back. It was so awesome seeing them back, seeing them in all their spite. Like, oh, like the, the, the crowd reaction when Matt Murdock as Daredevil appears on as the lawyer was pretty exciting. But when Tobey Maguire and when, when Andrew Garfield, everyone's like, show me Peter Parker. People were saying, oh, people were starting to realize, is this it? Is this it? Is this where you get Tobey and Andrew? So then we see Spider-Man, we see Andrew, people are just going, let's go, no way, we get Toby, we get Andrew, we get Andrew. Then he goes, all right, let me try this again. And at that point, everybody knows Toby's coming. Toby walks through that portal, the crowd goes wild. Toby Maguire, the original Spider-Man, was back. And I still can't believe we had all three Spider-Man, Toby, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield in a movie together. Like, like just even saying it now, two weeks after I've seen the movie, it's still just like, oh my god. I mean, I already saw it again. Like, I saw it on Christmas Eve. Because uh, what else is a Jew going to do on Christmas Eve, right? <laughs> uh, but oh my god, it was just... It was incredible. I mean, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina. It's like, I mean, it's like they literally were picking up their roles from 2002 and 2004. They both acted so damn good. And if I said Willem Dafoe, I mean Willem Dafoe. I mean, just, ugh. They were both good. Jamie Foxx was actually cool as Electro in this movie. Uh, the whole, got Aunt May's death. I mean, just, there were so many emotional heartstrings in that movie. Aunt May's death, that really hit home. That made me tear up. Uh, you know, really, really rough uh, when, you know, even though I didn't love those amazing Spider-Man movies, when Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man saves MJ and t tears out talking about Gwen, I was just like, and then even when at the end when he goes to and doesn't tell them about who he truly is, that was, that one was really rough too. Overall, great movie. Can't believe, like, I'm interested to see what it does, like, questions. So does that mean, you know, Doctor Strange, the whole world, he says the whole world. Does Thor, does Star-Lord, do the other Guardians still remember who Spider-Man is? Uh, like, does that mean, you know, Tony Stark never knew who he was, so he was never an Avenger, so technically, do the Avengers know Spider-Man but not Peter Parker, or what? Like, is he just, like, some other, like, schmuck swinging around the city? We have the Venom post-credits scene, really don't know what's going to play on with that. Is Venom, so are we going to get an MCU version of Venom because there's a piece of the symbiote there? Well, we get Tom Hardy's Venom back in their universe, and we're getting Andrew Garfield back in that universe. Who all knows? It's just really exciting stuff. Got the Doctor Strange 2 trailer, which looks insane. I cannot wait for Doctor Strange 2. Uh, just overall, great Marvel content. We got great shows. It started off with WandaVision, which was the first Disney Plus show. And I got everyone excited, really into it. That first experience, the big mystery element. Everybody talking about it on Twitter. The first Marvel content we got since Far From Home. Everybody really liked that. Uh, we got, um, what's it called, after that, Falcon Winter Soldier, which, you know, I liked it at first really good because I love, I love Falcon, well, now Captain America. I love Bucky's character. Obviously, the show ended up having its faults uh, to a degree on rewatch, but overall, you know, still good to see that character development. Loki, which was the best of all the Marvel shows and really just one of my favorite Marvel properties that they've made, which I was honestly, like, the least excited about. And I was the least excited about What If, and What If was just like, eh, it was whatever. And then we got Hawkeye, which was just like, which is pretty good. Hawkeye was pretty damn good. 
Uh, looking ahead to 2022, we have we have three movies coming out. We have Multiverse of Madness, which I can't wait for. It looks absolutely insane. We have Thor Love and Thunder, supposed to feature the Guardians of the Galaxy in it as well. Can't wait for that. Thor is probably my second favorite hero in the MCU currently behind Spider-Man. Number three overall behind Spider-Man and Iron Man. Uh, and yeah, I can't wait for that. We have Black Panther 2. Interesting to see the approach they take, obviously, with the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, you know, shows-wise, about three that are confirmed. Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, She-Hulk. Uh, I'm really excited for She-Hulk. Uh, just to see Banner back in there again. And also, there'll be a cool take, a female version. Matt Murdock might be in there, a law, law thing. Yeah, Matt Murdock. And also, we got Kingpin back in Hawkeye, which is great. That was really that was exciting because I just watched Daredevil in 2021 a few months ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. Thought, thought Kingpin, one of the best villains the MCU is. Well, I guess it's not the MCU, but one of the best villains ever in Marvel. Uh, going back to sports, congratulations to the title winners. Lots of bees here. We have a lot of bees. The Bucks, the Buck, but technically the Buccaneers, who I said the Bucks for, the Bucks of Milwaukee, Baylor, Braves, and Bama. And if you say Tampa Bay Lightning, congratulations to all those teams. Uh, again, just some cool little things and notes that came from these other uh, sports. Not going to talk about NFL because NFL is saving that recap for the end of the year. Uh, obviously, we're in a lockout now, but last season with the MLB, two young stars finally arrive and make their name in the show. Shohei Itani really took the MLB by storm. Vlad Jr., uh, you had some teams like you know the Seattle Mariners. They were a huge surprise last season, and then they signed AL Cy Young winner, AL Cy Young winner Robbie Ray to anchor that rotation. You have the Rangers trying to make moves this offseason, although realistically they're the Texas Rangers, and two moves is not fixing them. But they made two huge signings in, tr- in signing Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. Uh, the Mets, obviously 2021 was a disaster for them. They let down embarrassing headlines. Uh, you know, fans getting into arguments with the players. Uh, so, they, you know, they went big. You know, they went big this offseason. Obviously, last year they got Lindor, but they went with the signing Max Scherzer to give them the best one-two punch with DeGrom and Scherzer in baseball. Starling Martin, Mark Conda, add more production to the outfield, and Eduardo Escobar, who will really be a great defensive player at third base, something that they were missing with J.D. Davis over there, despite his good bat. So all great defenders. You get Buck Showalter, a manager who has a great track record, and it seems like the Mets are really going to rebound and possibly be one of the favorites in the National League this year. Good thread for that one seed, which the Giants got last year. And the Giants, obviously, biggest surprise, maybe in all of sports last year, uh, winning 107 games last year despite, you know, I think their win total before the season was set at like 68, not very high. Uh, they obviously exceeded that. Uh, the NBA, even though I congratulated the Bucks, I have to give credit to Giannis. Giannis did something that not many players do. He won a title on his own without a super team. Uh, 2021 was also though filled with lots of drama in the NBA because this league, you have the Kyrie not getting vaccinated dilemma and the Nets versus him. Although now he's coming back to the Nets to at least play road games. That's something that's gotten resolved. Uh, you have the Ben Simmons dilemma and that's just a whole drama. Is he going to get traded? If, if he does, when is he going to get traded? Uh, it's just been like embarrassing seeing what happened to Ben Simmons. 
you have the Bulls and the Cavs right now who have been two breakouts or projects, especially the Cavs. Okay, the Bulls made the moves in the offseason to be a better team. Maybe not many people expect them to be this good, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, man, I mean, they've been fantastic. Obviously, they just they just lost Ricky Rubio. And him and Darius Garland had a plus 16 points, for plus 16.71 on the court together. Losing Rubio, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts this Cavs team, which was really surprising this season. Uh, the season though has not been too kind. 2021 was not kind of the Lake Show. You know, in the back half of last year in 2021, they really struggled mightily. You know, eventually went from looking good early to fall into that plan game, getting out in the first round. They get after they get Russell Westbrook. Still has not been kind to them. They're still in the playoff picture. They're good enough where they're obviously going to be a top 10 seed. But like the Lakers right now look nothing like a team that's going to end up winning the uh, NBA Finals. After 17 and 19. Uh, we had some, you know, great things for players. You know, CP3 finally broke his can't win curse. Took the Suns of the NBA Finals where they obviously lost. But still great for CP3 to finally, finally get out of that. Oh, coming into the conference finals. And instead makes it to the NBA Finals. Uh, Steph Curry, I mean, somehow gets better every year. You know, last year was just fantastic. Could have been the MVP had the Warriors not struggled. Had a great season this season so far. Uh, breaks the all-time three-pointers record and, you know, is probably going to have that record for years and years to come. Uh, and he just says special. We had a guy like Jokic, an unprecedented season from him. He won the MVP. You know, that's something that's not talked about enough. It's true. He was truly special this season. I mean, the numbers you see out of him that he put from a big man revolutionize the game, changes the way we look at the big man position, how we look at positions in basketball in general. And I think, you know, he's going to be someone who does stuff like this and probably wins multiple MVPs for years to come. And we end Christmas, I mean, we end the year on a great note with some really great Christmas games, including the early game of the year and this young NBA season between the Suns and the Warriors. You know, college football... Pretty crazy season in college football itself. You know, for starters, we had a nine overtime game. A nine overtime game, and and the game and and you know, the crazier part is the under hit in that game. Yeah, the under hit in that game. I mean, some of the other crazier, crazier parts of twenty twenty one, especially in college football. And this was an upset filled season. So many upsets happen. Lots of top ranked teams going down. And now we have John Harbaugh, or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh in the playoffs. Something that people never would have expected. You know, everyone knew, knew Jim Harbaugh as a choker, a choker. But he's in the playoffs. We have a group of five team in the playoff. We have uh, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, three teams that have become mainstays in the playoffs. All of them missing out. You know, Clemson fell to the depths of the unranked at some point, having a really rough year. Oklahoma had a really rough season, too. So overall, you know, this was a different season where the usual Blue Bloods were not up there dominating. Uh, really, it was just an awesome, awesome college football season. From Obviously, I'm just more with Ohio State, but as a fan of the sport, it truly was an exciting season to watch. Uh, and now we enter the playoffs. Like, Also, congrats to the Rutgers because they're in a bowl game, even though they don't really deserve it. Uh, you know, I said Clemson wasn't Clemson. It was Wake Forest and Pitt, like two huge surprises. Uh, and even though Bama's in the playoff again, like you saw LSU, Florida, two of the usual heavyweights in the SEC, both won six games, firing their coaches. And, was, well, you know, Coach O gets fired. This was two years after winning the, na the national championship. 
Anyone that's more exciting than doing that was honestly Brian Kelly being the head coach of LSU. That was probably the, one of the craziest news stories of the year. Either him or Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. I mean, lots of craziness on the coaching carousel in the offseason. Uh, and overall, man, like, just just wildness. It was, it was an awesome year. You know, my favorite game of the year probably was in college basketball when we had the UCLA-Gonzaga game. Overall, just... The best sporting game of the year between any two teams. Best play of the year was that Jalen Sugg shot. And man, 2022 was just a special year. I want to thank everybody. Everybody, thank you guys. Thank you for the support of the podcast this past year. Thank you for you know, liking my tweets, you know, following my content, listening to me. It really means a lot to me. I know sometimes I just come here and ramble. I know I'm not as professional as some of the part of my take guys as some of the big name podcasters. I really appreciate everybody who comes here and everybody listens to my podcast and likes to hear what I have to say. So everybody, thank thank you. Have a great new year. Happy 2022. Let's hope we have a better year. And everybody, just happy new year.